Hey everyone, this is Mike with the Crucial Talks Podcast. We're about ready to jump into this week's episode with Steve Sims. Steve is the CEO of Bluefish and the author of Blue Fishing. And it's all about how he has provided luxury concierge service to billionaires, zillionaires, owners of countries all across the world. Getting things done for people that are used to getting things done. He admits that up until his book came out, he was a big deal to about 200 people. But these 200 people were rich and powerful. But a lot of this information applies to everything we do. So I think it's a valuable interview with some great information that we can use to better understand how we deal with people, the importance of relationships, the importance of trust, and how we can get things done with the right mindset. Thanks a lot. Please enjoy this episode with Steve Sims of Bluefish. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Crucial Talks podcast. I'm your host, Mike Sadam, and I'm also pretty excited to have this next guest on the show. In life, we all have these go-to people in our lives. When something happens, when we need something done, we all have people we count on, people we go to. And sometimes we're those people. So today's guest is Steve Sims, and he is clearly the go-to guy for some pretty famous people and has done some pretty big things for those people. He's the founder of Bluefish. It's the world's first luxury concierge. His company delivers personalized travel, transportation, and entertainment services to executives, celebrities, professional athletes, and other people that are interested in living life to its fullest. He's also the author of Bluefishing, The Art of Making Things Happen. And this book is all about how he makes lifetime events happen for other people. So without further ado... I'd like to welcome Steve Sims to the Crucial Talks podcast. Steve, this podcast is focused on the positive strengths of people. So what I'm hoping to do is talk to you today about some of the ways that you have used a positive view of your life and the life of your team, life of other people to actually have an impact and get things done. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, what well, two things there. Um, a bit about myself. Um, well, I wasn't exactly you know, born by the Queen. Um, I was a bricklayer in East London that uh, now can thankfully say that I've worked with people from the Vatican, Elon Musk, um, Richard Branson. There's a big bloody list. Um, bottom line of it is I work with some of the richest and most powerful people in the world making stuff happen. And you say about a positive attitude, it doesn't happen without a positive attitude. Um I'm a great believer to add to add uh, an addition or subnote to that uh, positive attitude. I would say that passion is a fuel of a of a positive attitude. So if you can come at someone with passion and positivity, then nothing, and I mean nothing, can get in the way of that. And I think that's a great point because we really focus on a kind of looking at the strengths of everybody. We accept that there's going to be mistakes, and we accept that there's going to be failures. But we also accept that the power is within people because it's how we react to those things and how we can focus on strengths to transform ourselves and others. So correct me if I'm wrong here. I tried to get the complete story as best as I could. But when you were 15 years old, you ended up dropping out of school. But today, your company, Bluefish, is, is huge. It makes a lot of things happen for a lot of people. And it makes things happen for people that are used to themselves making things happen. I mean, that just puts you kind of at the at the top of the echelon. So can you tell us a little bit about what your mindset is to get from that that 15-year-old kid 
to who you are today? Do you know, luckily, I understood it a little bit more while going through the process of writing a book. One of the side benefits of writing a book is you get to analyze yourself and what you're saying more than you normally would. You get you get to spend a lot of time looking in the mirror, and some of it ain't pretty. Um, I th- I realized that one of my attributes, one of my secret sources was ignorance. And I noticed that a lot of people are actually scared of being scared and also of being laughed at. And as an ignorant lad growing up and getting into, you know, I just want to get into places, how do I do this? I never had any fear of being laughed at. So I got, I, I achieved 80% of everything I tried to do. And the more ignorant of failure, the more ignorant to being laughed at, I would walk up to someone and go, hey, I know you've got a private party tonight. Do you want me here at 10 to 9 or 9.30? And I would just bowls in with that. And I'd look at you, start flicking through the list, which was tough because I hadn't even asked your name. And then you would go, hey, I appreciate you're busy, so let me ask again. Do you want me here at quarter to 9 or 9.30? And if you just give them options of which you want to receive and never ask a question where the answer can be a no, unless no is the answer you want, then is that kind of mindset that gets you places. And because I was kind of just like boozing on and, you know, having brass balls or whatever you want to call it, before I realized that I had an immense amount of credibility of actually being able to achieve amazing things like people wanting to get married in the Vatican or close down museums for dinner parties and have Andrea Bocelli come in and serenade them or walk in the white carpet without John at his Oscar party. I was achieving all of these things. And the more I achieved, it therefore became harder for the next person to refuse me because I already had that credibility that I was now wearing like an armored tank. So your mindset was one of, hey, you're you're going to be able to get it done. You kind of, from what I'm hearing, you didn't know another way. You just figured you're going to get it done. So I'm going to break it down into a very simple visual. I used to do kickboxing, and there was a guy called Ron Peplo who was my coach. And I was doing my, my kickboxing. I was in a competition in England, and I was doing pretty well, okay? And like anyone that's ever done martial arts or anyone that's competed on it, your coach stands with you at the beginning of the fight and go, okay, this guy's good with his right hand or this guy's good with his left or this guy's got to tell. You know, they coach you through it, don't they? Now, during the fights, I was doing pretty well. I was getting through so many fights and I entered the ring for one of my final rounds heading up to, you know, the, the final. And I was, I was online to be in the finals. And I looked around at my coach and my coach is sitting there with a newspaper not helping me, not giving me any news, not giving me any advice on the guy I was about to fight. And I looked at him and I went, um, anything you want to add here, fella? You know? And he turned to me and he went, get it done. The next guy is a problem and we're going to need to discuss it. And I went, oh, okay then. And I went out and this guy came flowing through the air, jumping up and down, and I hit him straight in his mouth. And the guy went down. Okay? The guy then got up we started again, and he beat the living daylights out of me. Now, this may sound a very unmotivational, motivational uh, um, statement. When I got off, my coach turned around to me and said, you were so out of your league 
with that fight, who actually went on to win the competition and was like world champion. Um, he said, you were so far out of your league. If I had given you any uh, uh, ingredient to make you feel that, you'd have gone in so defensive that you never would have landed the punch you did. Ah, so he was trying to give you, instilling you a, a bit of confidence before you even started. I was so ignorant to the fact that I was going to lose this fight that I went in with all guns blazing and I got one off on him. Now, as I say, I lost the fight, but I gained a great deal of respect that a lot of people go in with their expectations already in their head. And I learned very early on that my expectation is to succeed at this. And if I think I'm going to win the fight, I'm going to win the fight. And the old saying is, if you think you can't, you're right. And that stayed with me. That's been one of my quips and quotes that I've used forever with my kids, that any time I'm going to do anything, I go in there with the mentality that it's already done. We're just going through the little dance at the beginning. So you go in there with the right positive mindset on accomplishing what you want to get done. It's already done. As far as I'm concerned, we're just going through the uh, uh, just going through the motions at the moment. I've already agreed that this is going to be done. You're just about to say yes. It's just a, pay, a, a matter of time, and I just need to position it properly. And if I get a no, then I've asked the wrong question or the wrong person. Well, and that leads me to another question because um, you know this podcast we talk about individuals and we talk about groups and we talk about systems or big organizations. So at the individual level. Like if I wanted to accomplish something different tomorrow than what I'm normally doing today, does that same mindset work for just something, just something I want to do for myself? It doesn't have to be to go out and sell anything to somebody else. It's just about me transforming myself. Do you think that same mindset can work? Oh, absolutely. And here's, here's the shocking thing. As we stated clearly at the beginning, I'm a bricklayer from East London that rides around on motorcycles and drinks too much whiskey. That's never changed. I just happen to be doing some amazing things. If I can be doing it, anybody can be doing it. And I've noticed that the way that you talk to a Fortune 500 techie head of a country is exactly the same way you talk to a guy that's just starting up in business. The mindset is exactly, exactly the same, just the numbers are different. Well, I got to correct you on one thing. You can't drink too much whiskey. So we're just going to fix that just right out of the chute. Uh, but, so, but I love this idea of mindset. So, And I've heard you in other podcasts. You do a great job and you give a lot of good information to individuals. And I assume the book, because I haven't gotten my hands on a copy yet, but I'm going to uh, probably today go out and get one. But it, it talks a lot about this individual mindset. And I've heard you on the other podcasts and it, it helps individuals. But now I want to just transition a little bit on this idea of mindset and groups and teams, because you obviously I've seen some of your talks. I've, I've seen some of the stuff you've written. You obviously count on your team at Bluefish to get things done. So how did you mold that mindset of your team to kind of match what you've done successfully in your own mind? Uh, wow. OK, so. Closing a museum down in Florence is actually easier than finding the right people to be in your team. Um, finding good team players that are willing to support, nurture, and challenge you 
is probably one of the biggest problems you'll ever have in business. Um, that being said, I try not to find any that have my mindset. I try to find those that we share a commonality with. And I found that the people that are in my world, and it's not just the team that I pay for, I'm talking about my wife, I'm talking about my best friends, I'm talking about my clients. It's amazing how many times my client, I will call with a problem or concern about another client. And I'll go, hey, what is your take on this? You know, what? where's my dots? Can you see something? Because nine times out of 10, someone that's not involved in your day-to-day has a 30,000-foot view and can often spot things that you haven't seen. And so I call on everyone. I'm a great believer in a tight, strong, nurturing, challenging circle. That's vendors, clients, partners, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, kids, everyone. Get everyone interactive for the ultimate good. So when I'm out there searching for people, I, I hire slow and I fire fast. And when you get those people that help you grow and, and build value, look after those people like they are unicorns. And that is awesome advice because uh, that just leads me to another another question or another thing we could talk about because I've, I've talked about it on this podcast before and I truly believe that people are not in the middle of the food chain where we should be based on how fragile we are. We're not there because of our relationships with each other and our ability to work with each other toward common goals. So one thing I constantly say is that we're social animals and like any other social animal on the planet, we need each other. But the one thing we can do that no other social being on the earth can do is construct reality with each other. And one way we do that is by telling these stories through our relationships. So I know you have a lot of relationships with famous people. But can you talk to us a bit about how important these relationships are with your team or with your clients? How important they are to actually getting things done and what you do that might help the, me and the listeners understand how to cultivate relationships like you have. Your description of us as social animals was beautiful, but sadly there was a dark, uh, a dark element that you missed. We have the ability to construct strong relationships because of the so-called social platforms that we have now available to us, the Facebook, the Twitter, the Instagrams, all that kind of stuff, we also have a dark side where so many people construct a reality that doesn't exist. How many times do you see someone leaning up against a Lamborghini or getting a selfie of themselves in a private jet? You know, And they won't say anything. They're like, oh, just popping off on the G5 to Vegas. They won't go, it's my jet. In fact, I openly say no one that owns a private jet has ever taken a selfie on it. <laughs> so we're living in a world of, of artificial uh, uh, um, uh, lives, um, of uh, manipulated uh, imagery. You know, you take a photograph now, and the first thing someone does is bend on down and then start filtering it and enhancing it and editing it to make it look prettier than it is. The downside is you are correct on us. We are very, very primitive animals. In the millions of years that we've lived, 
we still have two arms, two legs, a need to eat, a need to breathe. Uh, we haven't got any gills. We haven't changed much. And as far as everything else in our world, we are the slowest developing thing in our universe. But what is what we do need to do is therefore honor the fact that as human beings, we need to relate. And a lot of the stuff we're doing now is unrelatable. You look in a magazine and it's photoshopped. You look on a movie and a building goes flying across the, uh, the sky by a superhero throwing it. We've become desensitized. We can't believe what we see with our eyes. There's all this big stuff going on where a supermodel is getting photoshopped because there's a blemish on her left rib cage or something. We don't trust what we see. And it's that trust element that's going away. And I've heard a word come out this year that is the buzzword for this year, which does seriously make me want to vomit. It's authenticity. This is like me saying, hey, congratulations, man. I hear you breathe. You know, you, we shouldn't be congratulating people for being authentic. We should be slaying those that are not. And the trouble is because most of our world is so inauthentic, so messed around, we're so fucked and photoshopped that we're not relating to people. And it's that that's messing around with relationships. And I don't care about Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, anything like that. There is no greater ROI than a decent, healthy relationship with another human being. I agree uh, 100%. I mean, I, honestly, I I cannot uh, think of a better way to say that just because I know that the people we are today, the things happen, happening biologically and psychologically and cognitively, is the same thing that happened when we were hunting, gathering with each other in tribes. We still had to count on each other. We still had to yeah. look out for things that are that are coming to hurt us. And so – and you, you hit it right on the head about authenticity and trust. So what I wanted to talk to you a little bit about is how important trust is. One of the things I say all the time is that trust is important in yourself, in teams, because it lets you focus on challenges you need to deal with outside – and not on protecting yourself from either other team members or protecting yourself from yourself. Now, do you see this, this, this trust being important in Bluefish and important with your clients and how you guys deal with each other? I think it's the only important thing. You can't have a relationship without trust. You may think you've got a relationship, but ask yourself a question. If your car broke down, if you lost a tire, if you lost, a, if you lost money, if you couldn't feed yourself tonight, can you phone that person to help you out? You know, they may not kind of like give you all that money, but would they feed you for the night? Would they help you out? Would they answer your call? It's as primitive as that. The amount of people that come up to me and they go, oh, yeah, I've got 5,000. I've capped out 5,000 friends on Facebook. Nobody has 5,000 friends. You know, Facebook likes do not pay your bar tab communication and relationships that's what pays your world so i'm a great believer and actually you're having this conversation now and i respect that we've been introduced by by donna uh, um over at platinum agency and i respect that you haven't read the book but in the book and i'm not pitching the book but you're gonna read it and go ah 
I actually talk about cancer in relationships. And I talk about the fact that cancer is minute and eats away and is an evil, evil disease. And you should look at it in your relationships because it it won't be something you can stick a Band-Aid on or, or take with a pill. You have to cut it out. So you have to look at people in your world that are not there that you can rely on, that are not there to challenge you. Now, let me let me focus on that bit. When you want to do something and you want to try a new career, you want to learn to paint, you want to play guitar, anything you want to do, if there's someone near you that turns around and goes, you can't do that, that person needs to go. That person needs to be out of your life. The person that turns around and goes, is that really the best thing you should be doing with your life? Or have you really thought how hard that is? That's a challenging person. That person you want in your world. So there's a big difference between being negative and being challenging. And most people that are negative, and this is an easy telltale, most people that are negative in your circle and are telling you, no, you can't do it, don't want you to be able to succeed because it will show them up. And you need to get rid of those people. They say you're a combination of the five people you hang with. If you can hang with people that challenge, motivate, push, support, you become a tenfold better person than you are. That is awesome advice. And I think it makes sense to a lot of people that are listening. Because one thing we do talk about a lot is how people place ourselves and others into groups, how we label people, how we identify, how we get into groups, and the way we view the groups we belong to and these other groups that we see outside of us drive a lot of what we do and the decisions we make. Now, it sounds similar to what you were just talking about at the individual level, but I know at Bluefish you have a similar test that you call the Chug Test. And (laughs) when I heard about this, it it made sense to me because you're basically saying – Hey, look, can I actually trust this person? Can this person be part of my in-group? So can you just tell us a little bit about this test and what it actually means to your (laughs) business model? So there was a time, and like all entrepreneurs, we mess things up, and we constantly mess things up. And what's the first thing that happens when things go smoothly? We do something to mess them up. Um, I was halfway... About seven, eight years into doing what ended up becoming a concierge, you know, Mr. Mr. Fix-It, Mr. Achieve, or whatever you want to call it. Um, and I was always riding around, black T-shirt and jeans, and riding around, pulling up to clients on a motorcycle. And I was traveling around the world. I'd never rent a car. I'd always rent a motorcycle. Um, and when I was going down to do an event in Monaco, I suddenly started wearing more suits. And I, I put on this shell this costume to try and look more important. I don't know why I was making very good money. I was already dealing with some incredibly powerful people, but there was a party that I threw in Monaco and there's a picture of me in a suit leaning up against my Ferrari. Now I don't own a car. Now I collect motorcycles. That was the first and last one I had. So I had this car and I had a photograph taken. When I got back home about two or three weeks later, this was in the days when you used to put a roll of film in an envelope and send it off and sometime in the next century you'd get it back with all the photographs. Um, I noticed this picture and realized I wasn't in it. And 
it was very depressing because I realized I'd sold out. I'd become someone else that wasn't me. And to do that takes effort. I actually went in, and this was a very sad part of my life. Um, I went into a bender. I went into like a three-day, you know, stayed at home, didn't answer the door, just drank myself stupid, made myself ill, was, was, was sick. At the end of it, I thought to myself, looking in, you know, whatever number of, uh, of empty bottles this was, and I thought to myself, I don't want anyone in my life that I wouldn't chug a whiskey with. I wonder if that can happen. And I started to look around and then I came up and this is funny how this has grown legs. I came up with this concept because I explained it to my wife and I said to her, here's the scoop. If I'm walking down the road and I did this with everyone, clients, vendors, partners, anyone, family members, I came up with this, this process. You're walking down the high street on the opposite side of the high street is someone else in your world client, family member, whatever, someone. They're walking the other way and they haven't seen you yet. Do you, and you've got to be brutal with the truth on this, do you, A, quickly turn left and pretend as though you're really interested in whatever that store is selling. And you look at the reflection and wait until they walk past and then you carry on your way. Or do you run across the road, jump in front of them and go, Bill, how are you doing? Let's go and grab a coffee, a whiskey, a beer, whatever. Now, if it's not the latter, get them out of your life. And I told my wife that, and we joked about it, and she went, oh, the, I suppose that's the chug test. And then I told a few other people about it, and then we would talk to clients. And as we would talk to these clients, we want to know they're good people. You know, you can obviously pay your way because, you know, you're, you're very affluent, but I want to know if you're a good person. I only want to deal with people I like. And so we would go, hey, you know, did you speak to Jimmy? Yeah, I did. Okay, how did he do on the check test? He did well. Yeah, I'll chuck a beer with him. And it became that thing, and it grew legs. I did a video on it called the chug test. You can see it on YouTube. And my entire team, and in Bluefish, we charge $5,000 just to get our phone number. And what we do is you pay, we interview you, and if we want to take you on as a member, we carry on through. If not, we refund you and it's done. We will literally... With all the processes in the world, all the automation, all the check-in, all the Colby character tests, we will still look at each other and go, hey, how do they do on the chug test? Yeah, they passed. Or no, they didn't. All right, then that person's not in. So that is its simplicity, but the power of the chug test. That's awesome. So what the chug test sounds to me like is, hey, look, we've got all these automated systems. We have ways to look people up in databases. We have ways to track how much they make and what they earn and how often we communicate with them. But it still comes down to this chug test being, is there a human relationship there? Is this person going to be part of our circle? It's still about that ability of a person, of people, to make decisions about other people. And they may be, let's, let's, let's um, just elaborate on that slightly. They may be wonderful people, which is not right for us. You know, if you can't communicate with someone, no matter how good they are, let's say for my sake, you know, your friend introduces you to someone and they are from, I don't know, Ukraine or Japan. Wonderful person, but speak no English. It's not detrimental to go, oh, I can't communicate with them. 
You know, you're not hurting each other's feelings. It's a fact. Neither of you speak the same language. Some people we will have, and it's just not the right fit. And quite often we will go, hey, you're a cool cat, but I just don't think it's right. But there are a couple of groups I think I'd like to recommend you to. Are you okay with that? Now, some people have taken offense. Some of them have gone, okay, fair. who would you recommend me to? These people and that, and we've recommended people on. You will get people that are just arrogant and just want to boss you around, and we're like, nah, we're not going to play with you. And no, you're not right, and we will let them go. But it's not always a – I don't want people to think that just because you don't want them in your world that they're bad people. It's just not the right fit. So and this is what's great. So I'm seeing all these connections with what you said before. So you, we start out talking about having this positive view, having a strength-based view of what's going on and how you react to things. So even in what you just told me, it sounds like even when you can't do business with somebody, even if you're telling them, hey, look, we're just not going to fit or whatever, you're still having a positive view on it. You're still trying to add value to them even though they're not going to be a client. Oh, yeah. They've taken time out of their life. You know, we're having this conversation now. We can't get the last five minutes back. So I want to be as much value to these people as I possibly can, unless they're a complete and utter dick and I want to hang up on them. <laughs> but if they're just people that just don't fit, I want to get them placed with the right people. And I have concierge firms that I know that may specialize in different things. And I go, do you know, I've got someone just for you and I'll pass them on. Because what does that do for you in that person's mind? That person goes off and says, these people are great. These people are wonderful. Do you, and it's very easy for a visual, did you ever see the movie Miracle on 54th Street? I believe so, if we're talking about the same one. <laughs> right, okay, I think there is only one, but <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's a part in it where Alison Janis, I think her name is, she is with Santa, and the daughter is saying what she wants for Christmas. Uh-huh. Yep. And Santa's like, oh, yeah, you can get it. That's great. And the mum steps in and goes, look, Coles are selling them for like $99. I can't afford that. And he turns around and he says, if you go down the road, you're on sale for like 30 bucks." And the woman gets up and comes over to the manager and says, look, your guy, your Santa's just sent me away for the benefit of my daughter. Anyone that sends me away for the best fit has me as a lifelong customer. And it was a great movie moment, but I thought to myself, even if you're not a client of mine, I want you somewhere, sometime, drinking a glass of whiskey or a cup of coffee and someone says concierge, I want someone to go, do you know, I had this experience with a company that didn't even want me as a member. And I would love to eavesdrop on that call knowing that we still placed them in something which enhanced their life with the experiences they wanted. So and I think we need more of that in this world where, hey, even if you can't, even if it, there's nothing in it for you, it doesn't take you that much more effort to give something to somebody else and enhance the value of their lives. And, and, and shockingly, something always comes back to you, even if it's just the person at the end of the call just going, Steve. Thank you so much. You know, I appreciate that. And you have a great, have a great time. If that concierge doesn't work out, send me an email. Maybe I'll send you someone else. You know, you always benefit from it. How can you not benefit from that conversation? You may not benefit financially, but you benefit. And I've had, 
I've had numerous members, not just one or two, I'm on about tens and twenties of clients that have come to me going, Johnny told me the, he wasn't the right fit, but you know, I'd, I'd like to chat with you. Maybe I am. And you've, I've had those conversations. In fact, my concierge website, the Bluefish, it doesn't even have a phone number on the website. We make it very, very hard for people to contact us. So when people stand there and go, oh, I'm a referral-based business, you can't, we can't be anything more than referral-based because we don't even have a phone number for you to be able to get hold of us. So you, are a, you're, you and your business are basically a living, breathing example of what you talked about before, the return on investment on relationships. 100%. And my consulting gig is, is exactly that. You know, we have none of my websites, not through the book or through the concierge firm, have any way of phoning us up. We have to be introduced. You have to know someone who knows us or do some searching. There's, you know, people that come through Facebook or some of the socials. But the bottom line of it is we are 100%. You have to be true, real, show an effort in wanting to get in front of us. Now, some people may say that that's arrogant, but it, it depends. I'm not selling McDonald's hamburgers. I'm not selling something for $1.99. You know, my membership is $5,000. The average spend of my clients is about a quarter of a million dollars up per year. And when I'm consulting with people, I want to make sure they're the right fit. So the, the strategies of the chug test does not matter any different as to whether you're dealing with a solopreneur on a consulting gig or whether you're speaking to uh, a client that owns a small country that wants to have lunch with the Pope. They, they are the exact same formula. Make sure you can relate. Make sure you can communicate. Make sure there's trust and regard and respect in the relationship. And most importantly, make sure they want a relationship. If they don't want a relationship, then it's a transactional business. And yes, start selling hamburgers. Makes sense. I mean, we're this whole time we've been talking about all these kind of positive things. Hey, relationships important. A positive outlook's important. Trust is important. Having that ability to to bring people into your circle that add value, adding values to other others is all positive stuff we're talking about. So, I, and I'm, we're not going negative here, but it sounds a little negative, which is why I'd love for you to expand on it. So, you talk about the importance of being your ugly self. So for guys like me, people listening to you right now, what does this actually mean to those of us like me that have the absolute best intentions, but we're still screwing things up? So, again, this is, uh, this is lucky with me, okay? Um, I said to you before that when entrepreneurs have things going smooth, we try to, we try to screw it up. Um, too many times... And again, I'm focusing on entrepreneurs here. We have shiny object disease or disorder, should I say. Um, I go the other way. I keep things raw and ugly and primitive because those you can react to. If I walk into a room and I shout, fire, what does everyone do? Everyone, because it's a gut reaction. I'm dealing at a raw, primitive level. Everyone scatters out of the room. So I try to be crystal clear in fact brian kurtz and joe polish they said to me once and it was one of my one of those little sayings that stuck with me forever there's a difference between being easy to understand and impossible to misunderstand 
And the impossible to misunderstand means removing any complexity, confusion, or any potential of misunderstanding in anything you do. So I'm a great believer in handwritten notes, this weird thing called phone calls <laughs> that people don't do anymore. I love video text, but I want to keep things raw and primitive so you can make a decision with your stomach and not your head. Now, let's, let's focus on that for a second. How many people make a decision based on what they can see? Well, the guy's got a Ferrari Kingman. He's wearing an Audemars Piguet watch. Oh, look at him. He's wearing Prada shoes. Hey, he's got a Gucci suit on. That guy must be successful. Yes, I'll do business with him. Yet your stomach, there's some butterflies. Imagine if the plumber turned up and he was driving a Ferrari. You'll go, hmm, something's not right here. And the butterflies go. I learned many years ago that my stomach is smarter than my head. If it doesn't feel right, it's not right. And that's, and so, that's awesome. Go, I'm yeah, sorry, that, keep going. That, that's where I've gone. So I, I want, when, when I say ugly, it's not a negative. It's, in fact, it's far from a negative. We spoke earlier about how we'd become desensitized because our eyeballs, we don't trust anymore because the girl that's in the magazine that looks absolutely amazing when you actually work out the ratio of her height, you realize she's 12 foot tall because she's been stretched and photoshopped. Yet when you see a, a really nice picture of a girl just walking down the street, you go, she's beautiful because it's relatable. There's no filter. You can trust that. And again, that key word that we keep on using through this, relate. You can relate and recognize that that is real and therefore you can connect with it. You actually can't connect with things that are not real. You try. Many people hold on to it. Many people for many years will, will have five people living in a one-bedroom house just so all of them can drive BMWs, Porsches, Ferraris to try and look good, but they're not kidding anyone else other than themselves. And so what you said there, and that's why I started to break in there, was you said if it doesn't feel right, it's not right. And one of the things I've talked about on this podcast in past episodes is the fact that human beings make decisions based on emotion. I mean, the same part of your brain where emotions like trust and love and hate and all that sit, those things light up when you make a decision also. So, and I grabbed this next quote from your website, and it feels like it kind of leads into it where you said, your imperfections are your perfections. So does it, is that kind of the same thing where you're, you're trusting your gut but you're you got to be real and you got to be authentic and you you have to trust yourself that that's what you're get, getting from other people. Yeah, yeah, classic one is Picasso. Did you ever see any of uh, um, Picasso's early work? Uh, I have, and I and I think I know where you're going with this story. So uh, yeah, I'd love to hear it. I'd love to hear your take on it. Well, it wasn't until he started doing a lady with two eyeballs on one side of the face and an ear on her forehead <laughs> that people went, oh, you know, and it caused them to step back. People want a reaction, but they want a reaction that's real. And so, yes, quite simply, uh, another classic is the famous model with the birthmark. You know, she made a, a, an immense amount of money, Cindy Crawford. She could have very easily gone into any place and got rid of that. If she had, she would never have been as successful. Accents. People are, in, the, in some places, they try to change the accent so that people won't be able to relate to you because they can't understand a slightly foreign accent. 
And in other areas, it what's what it's what makes you unique and stand out. So I believe that the combination of our imperfections are our perfections. We want to stand out. And here's where it gets stupid. Anyone in business goes into business to make a lot of money, okay? With a lot of money, they can do a lot of things. They can make change to their family, to their friends, to charities, to beliefs, to causes. But the initial concept is that they need to make money in order to be able to do those things. As a business, you need to be unique. You need to breed loyalty. You need a unique selling proposition. You need to stand out. Well, here's the dumbass thing. We're all unique. We're all different. If you look at Steve Jobs, he started to walk around in a black T-shirt and jeans. Every techie person suddenly thought that was the uniform. Steve was completely unique because that's what he did. He just wore black T-shirt and jeans. He stood out by being himself. And as I try to tell everyone, especially in my, in my courses and at my speeches, it takes zero effort to be you. Yeah, I think we might have lost you a little bit there, but I, uh, basically, I think I got what you're what you're saying there is that you, just be you, because that way you can have more energy to focus on the other things you need to be doing. Yeah, I saw you. Saw you. You lost me. I don't know what happened, but that's. I, I'm a great believer that um, we've, we've only got a certain amount of effort in our body. You know, you've got a battery in you and it's 100% full and whatever you're spending any of that percentage on means that everyone, everything else gets less. If you can eliminate one of the biggest things that people spend energy on, which is trying to be somebody else, then you're already ahead of the game because you're unique. Every single one, me and you, me and you, we don't know each other very well. We've already joked and chatted and sent pictures back and forth we all have a couple of loves and similarities, the whiskey, the motorcycles, but we're completely different. And without any effort whatsoever, we will remain different until we try to be like each other. And that's always the mistake. Perfect. Well, and that's why I love that, that quote, your imperfections are your perfections. Cause, uh, if that's true, and I believe it is, I'm the most perfect guy in the world. So, I got a ton of those. So, hey, so I know we've been talking here for a little bit. Um, and so I just want to wrap this up real quick on some of the key things we've we've talked about. One, relationships. Your biggest return on investment is going to come from your relationships. Two, trust. Not only trust within your team, within your company, within yourself, because that trust really solidifies those bonds you have with others, but it also lets you concentrate and spend energy on the things you need to spend energy on, including trust in just who you are, that your imperfections are okay. Now, with all that said, and I've said this before, I've had it said to me before, I've heard other people say it, they make a decision, they're talking to you, and they go, hey, it's not personal, it's just business. But from what I'm getting from you... (laughs) Well, I think you know where I'm going. So what I'm getting from you and what I think you help others to figure out is that, no, business is personal and it is about relationships. So is there any last piece of advice or anything you can tell us just to give us a little bit more on this importance of relationships or any other tips you have for us? 
the more the world becomes automated, AI comes into it, chatbots, the more we're going to search for people that we can relate and like. When we relate to someone, that's usually how we build up a community and loyalty. The old, the old term, as you say about it's not personal, most of the major brands you can think of now, whether it be Tesla, Virgin, Apple, you know who the head of the company is. And you first think to yourself, do I relate to what he stands for? Do I understand where he's coming from? You know, that's what that's what will build your community. So you are the future Apple. You are the future Virgin. You are the future Tesla. People want to look at you and go, okay, what do you stand for? And that will tell me whether or not I can do business with you. If you're doing anything outside of selling hamburgers, they want to ask that question. Okay, so... Do understand the business is 100% personal. Do you think Elon Musk would be as successful as he is now without him standing up and saying what he believes in, what he stands for, and what his values and cause are? Yeah, that's brilliant because now, you know, thinking about it, I'm looking at the stuff sitting in front of me that I have decided to buy. And you're right. Back in the day, you really didn't know who was running what. You didn't know who was on the board. You knew who started or the president. But now you're absolutely right. The things that we use the most, even if it's social media or it's a computer we buy, you know who runs that company. That That's absolutely true. Um, yeah, I had never thought about it like that. That's a brilliant way to put it, that business is 100% personal because would we have the same – brand loyalty or the same focus in these areas if it wasn't for that. Again, we we talked about all this stuff, and I know what you can offer to people. I know you speak. I know that if the, the there's a right fit, that they can get this luxury concierge service from uh, Bluefish. You just wrote this great book that is out there. And again, can we can we have the name of that? It's called uh, Bluefishing, right? It's called Bluefishing. The Art of Making Things Happen, and you can pick it up on stevedsims.com or Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, any of the usual suspects. Um, so it's called Blue Fishing, The Art of Making Things Happen. Great. So if people want to get a hold of you, if they want to see what you're doing, if they want to hire you to speak or consult with them, can they – everything is at one-stop shop. Can they just go to uh, stevedsims.com to get any information they need? They can, and if they sign up there, if they're not sure about the book, if they sign up there, their email, they actually get the playbook, which is the cheat sheet at the back of every chapter, complimentary, just sent to them. So they can actually do that, and they will receive that, so they can have a little scoot through and find out whether or not they like the bullet points before they actually don't jump into the main meal. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I'm going to take a look at that. I've already signed up for your, your newsletter on your website. Really looking forward to getting some of that content. And I appreciate you being on here. I think a lot of people will relate. I mean, you came from from 15-year-old school dropout bricklayer to where you are today. I mean, you've talked to people we only see on TV. You've done things for people we only hear about in stories. So it is pretty cool getting a chance to talk to you and, and getting to at least pick your brain a little bit on some of these great, great ideas and techniques and, and skill sets and ideas you have for people. Uh, we really want to thank you for being on the podcast. I loved it. Thanks, pal. Thanks for having me. Anytime. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, so what would you think? 
Steve's a good guy. He is just down to earth, even though of all the things he's done for people throughout his career, the book he's written, all of his school stuff, he is just a down to earth guy. We had a great conversation before and after recording the, the podcast, and I think there was a lot of great information in here that we could all relate to because the guy's really just like us. He's just dealing with people that we see on the news and in movies and things like that. So it was really cool to be able to talk to him. So I have a quick favor to ask. If you get a chance, please rate the podcast and share it. I'm still trying to grow an audience and, and a community of people that are interested in what drives people. And if you ever need anything, please reach out to me. You can visit www.crucialtalks.com and get a hold of me. You can hook up with me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, through email, phone, text message, Skype, you name it, and I'm willing to reach out and talk to you about it. Plus, I do speak on the side. I like to speak to organizations, associations, one-on-one with people. So if you need anything from me, please feel free to reach out at any time. Thanks again for listening. Hope you have a great week. And remember, if we want to understand behavior, we need to understand what drives people.